Yeah, I think it's interesting though, like life is a little more complex and oftentimes people try to lead on, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's crazy because it's possible for you to be excelling in one portion of life, but then like falling back in another portion of your life, you know what I mean? And it, yeah. it can like kind of teeter-totter like that, but we act, as people, we act like either you're doing good or you're doing bad. Yeah. There's no... But it's nuanced. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's crazy how it can kind of fluctuate, but we don't really give people that grace period to, to fluctuate. episode um, a monumental episode for us when we first took a break from the pod with uh, the pandemic and sheltering in place uh, and basketball being uh, officially over at the time we uh, we didn't really know what direction the pod was gonna go when we decided we were gonna bring it back we really wanted to bring it back with a purpose and we wanted to bring in a guest uh, a friend of ours from Bloomington normal area uh, named Dominic Stevenson who goes by V8 Vast Change. V8 is, in my opinion, one of the best hip-hop artists in the area. Uh, he's, he's just all passion, all authenticity, all the time. He also has experience as, as a professional athlete, which I think is important for this podcast, as he's played semi-pro football. Right now, he currently spends a large portion of his time building relations in the community with a project called Next Gen. And he has a lot of hands-on experience talking to people, getting to know how people actually feel, and being able to explain how he feels and what he sees. And I've seen, I've seen him follow what he's doing. He has such a positive impact. When we decided to bring the podcast back, we really wanted him to be the first person that comes on the show. And, um, you know, it didn't work out that way. We ended up doing a couple of playoff episodes. But with everything going on in the NBA, going on in the world right now, uh, we felt like the night we recorded this was just the right timing. It was, it was the time that we were supposed to record this episode. And we get into some deep stuff, we get into some great conversation, and it's going to go a little different direction than what you're used to. That being said, we were planning to have a conversation about music, and we had that conversation, but it just didn't fit in with this episode. Uh, one of the things that we want to talk about is that V8's on our spiritual director, Elijah Settle's new album uh, called Places of People 2. It's out everywhere today, and the music that you're hearing right now is uh, a song from the album. And uh, we're going to talk to Elijah and V8 together, but we're going to just put that together for a bonus episode on Monday where we'll talk more music and uh, talk about other things that, that we're working on right now. So... Listen to this episode. We'll, we'll play a song still at the end, one of V8's new songs that really ties in to, to our conversation. 
and uh, we're just really excited and hope to hear some feedback from people. And uh, here we go. Let's start the pod. So t- today uh, we're recording this on Wednesday and uh, whatever the date is, August 26th, August mm-hmm. 26th, yep. and uh, the NBA playoffs have postponed uh, in light of uh, the, the officers shooting James Blake and civil unrest and really the greater Milwaukee area, Kenosha being Milwaukee area, the Bucks announced first that they weren't going to play, they were willing to forfeit the game, which is a little bogus to the magic, but... Uh, I guess they had that wrapped up pretty much. <laughs> and, uh, they were willing to forfeit the game and then move on. And uh, then as soon as that came out, then OKC and Houston was like, well, we're not playing. And then uh, it looked like the Lakers may have came in last or didn't have to make a decision because the NBA said, hey, we're going to postpone all the games. So in a, in a way, this is a pretty unprecedented like situation. Um like we've just never had we've never had a situation where they just like where the athletes have just said hey we're not coming out and this is like a obviously a bigger deal than even just kneeling you know with with where the NFL started you had Kaepernick kneeling and other people kneeling and everyone's kneeling the NBA progresses and 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 you know knows it's a players league and the players you know they they wanted to use their voice and they spoke out but now you're, we're saying hey we're not going to play tonight because of the situation um so, like, to me, it's, like, a monumentally kind of cool moment. Obviously, I want there to be playoffs. I want I want them to play. Uh, I think there's a lot of hope in watching them play. And, like, where we haven't had sports in 2020, it's just been, like, a really rough year. Mm-hmm. And uh, being able to watch them is, like, some piece of good, normal, outside of every scenario. But the players also feel like, you know, they want to they wanna focus in. So, I mean... You know, here we are. It's we're like fresh on it. Like the news just broke. So, what do you guys, what do you guys think about that? As far as relations, how people are, would take it. You know, what do you think the players are trying to say, and where do you think it's going to go? Man, since junior high, I've been saying, if athletes would just take their talents away, people would listen. Because imagine if every superstar was like. Alright, I'm not gonna play until you guys hear this person out. Like I've always felt like we needed uh and people don't really like when I say this, but I've always felt like we needed a voice for our generation. Like we need that Martin Luther King or we need that, you know what I mean, that voice of reason where people make a display and then that person steps up and is like, this is what we want. This is why this is happening. I've talked to this person. They'll play again once you do this. You know what I mean? But I feel like we haven't had that in an extremely long time. So the fact that they are finally just not playing, I think that's crazy. I think it's huge. Um, it's going to you know, piss a lot of people off, which is what it's supposed to do. You know, That's why it's called civil disobedience. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's necessary to to show that you're actually serious about it. Yeah, I think I think uh, the NBA players and and let's recognize you know 
MLB, WNBA, WNBA is always on top of, of movements and, and reconciliation and, and protests. Um, and MLS is postponed. So, so really all sports and we're in this unprecedented time. Um, and, you know, Preach always says that, you know, sports are one of the gods of America, which is true. We have uh, one league owning entire days of the week, you right. know, for half the year. We uh, people crowd together to watch sports and, and uh, you know, whatever it may be, just people are obsessed with sports. Um, and to see athletes use their platform so powerfully to the point where they're just going to even go on strike. They're, you know, we started with the NBA bubble and the NBA, um, I think, did a great job of allowing athletes to use their platform there. Um, but then a lot of the athletes realize, what does this even mean if I don't use the full extent of my platform? So they went on strike without even consulting the owners, NBA uh, officials, things like that. And I think that it's um, a, an impactful movement. And we've seen that throughout the history of sports, you know, raising fists at, at the Olympics, Muhammad Ali and, and Bill Russell and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar leading in the 60s uh, to the present day and how we've seen that as a, a reconciliation and, and just a fight for um, it, it made me think this this recent strike made me think about um, how a lot of artists and a lot of um, black athletes black artists and things like that you know the first person that comes to my mind in this regard is no name and how her desire to not want to tour anymore mm -hmm. um, to be entertainers for for white people anymore and I, I think back you know going back in history uh, Billie Holiday being um, essentially you know cast away in the entertainment business because of the things that she wanted to say things that she wanted to speak out and not wanting to be a puppet for for um, you know the white crowds and I think that's when people like the owner like you touched on Luke people like the owners of these uh, sports teams you know need to step up and, and listen and, and use their power, use their uh, resources as some of the wealthiest people in the world, some of the most politically connected people to bring about change. I feel you, bro. And I think that uh, it's important for us to recognize uh, the lack of unity that we've had in, in recent years, because back when everything was really heating up you know they were doing all those uh the sit-ins and the uh boycotts you know the buses and all that stuff the unity was crazy like mm. they were having meetings at all hours of the night people are like crammed in a building and hanging outside they got the windows open so people outside can hear but everybody was so hungry for change that they're like i'm gonna pour my extra time and to bring it forth change and making sure I'm a part of that conversation. But now, and it, it, we're starting to see it a little more like with the with them boycotting the, the, the league, it, like that's showing unity. But in a lot of cases, we, we're not showing any unity these days because everybody kind of wants it to be their thing, I feel like. So like, Somebody has set up a protest and people be like, well, I'm not going to that protest. So I just have my own protest and people show up to my protest. But and instead of people arguing about who set the protest up first, like people need to be rearranging dates. Like, oh, so so and so is doing something on Monday. 
right, we're not going to do Monday no more. We're going to go support them mm-hmm. with the people that support me. Yeah. And then we'll go on Tuesday. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, until people get that unification back in the communities, then it's going to be dang near impossible for us to actually show that we're serious and that we we want to see a certain level of change in America. I think that, uh, I think hitting on the unity, uh, you know, like, and, and going back to the basketball players, these guys are boycotting these games. You know, we, we've seen players, we've seen sports leagues go on strike before. And when they went on strike before, what was it always about? It was always about money, right? Yeah. You know, players need to make their money. And uh, when they go on strike, what do people do? They go, oh, they make enough money. They start, you babies, you know, complain about this money. And, and here we know the owners are making all the money and the league's making all this money too. And not, not saying the NBA has a lot of bad owners. I think the NBA has a lot of really progressive owners who are listening to their players for the most part. Uh, you know, that's not getting into the NFL or Major League Baseball. But, <laughs> you know, at least the NBA is like, hey, they understand they need these players to be the NBA. Um, but... The players going on this strike now, they're taking flack, you know, for boycotting the game. And it's like, well, we can't we can't boycott it for our pocketbook. We can't boycott it for our voice. You know, when are we allowed to say, hey, maybe we're not going to play? Yet, one of the things that I hear people say this country was built on is unions and, and worker boycotts. You know, right. like mm-hmm. how many times that capitalism would have crushed people, you know, of all colors, of all races, making them work overtime in factories, for low pay, for low wages, people talking about fair living wage. We're not there yet, but at the same time, because of boycotts, we at least have gone a long ways from we could be a country of sweatshops if you went with, you know, the old time way of industrial revolution sort of stuff. Right. You know, uh, if 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 you boycotted something, if, if the union says, hey, we're not doing this, what do they do? They pick it. They get out there and say, hey, these guys don't want to pay us or we're supposed to get paid to do this job we're doing. And we, we want to speak up and say they're not taking care of their workers. And then now you have these workers who are NBA players who are saying, hey, we want to speak up because you're not taking care of our communities. You're not taking care of our families, the place where we come from. There is unrest. And obviously with Milwaukee boycotting first, they're saying, hey, this is our home. And we're not going to stand for people in our home being killed or shot and it just being OK. You know, yep. we don't want right. it to be OK. So I feel like I feel like unions are something that I could talk to my grandpa about and he would be like, yeah, unions are important sometimes, you know? Yeah. But yet whenever people actually organize and and decide something, then they're like, how dare they? It doesn't line up with all the things I want them to line up with when really these humans feel this way and they have this voice. I think another another thing on the on the unity of things, which obviously I feel like among professional sports, we're seeing more and more unity, uh, you know, mm-hmm. even baseball players, uh, which I feel like <laughs> are like the last ones to come around. But baseball players are starting to say some things and, and feel like it's important to, to speak out. Uh, obviously, NFL players, there's really a lot of division in the NFL because yeah. they're kind of coming from both sides uh, really hard, really aggressive. Um, and the NBA is pretty widespread, kind of like this is let's put let's put people first sort of league. Um, but we see that unity in sports, but we don't see it in the world. And even going back to what you're talking about in the Dr. King days, you know, there was still Malcolm X. There was still like a little bit of disunity there. And since some people follow Malcolm, some people follow King. And Malcolm's ideas were really in 
they were in an opposition to King in a way, even though they they both wanted the best. They both wanted something. You know, Malcolm was pushing for something else, and I feel like they both needed each other. I felt like they really had say. a thing where they sharpened each other as leaders. Yeah. Where now, if you had you, the, you, what you're saying is like people people want to do their own thing. Like I think a lot of times people of probably my age going down and like the younger generation they just want to be involved in something that makes them feel important. So sometimes it's not about unity or really even the root cause. It's just like, hey, this is our opportunity to be important. We've never felt important before. We've never really felt like we could speak out before. We don't want to be like our parents, you know, that kind of stuff. So some of it is is selfish, I think, in that way. And that kind of messes up the vibe and gives the media and, and people the chance to jump on it and be like, look what these people are doing. Look what this is doing. Instead of going back and remembering, hey, this son, this daughter, this sister, this friend got killed, you know, and it yeah. wasn't right. And and we have to fix this. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's why me and my brothers, you know, we started the Next Gen Initiative in Bloomington. You know what I mean? Because instead of trying to get the whole country to do something, we're like, you know what? We can be authentic in our hometown. We got connections. We know people. We're just going to try to educate our community and make a blueprint and Bloomington normal. Mm. And maybe other people will follow it. But if not, at least we did what we could. You know what I mean? With the people that we have influence with and the people that we can impact and sit down and talk to. So it's like people got to just understand instead of trying to catch every fish in the sea with one net sometimes you just got to cast you know what I mean catch one cast again catch one but people don't want to people don't want to do the nitty gritty work nowadays like they just want to do it one time and be like alright we had a million people show up it was good we just changed the world overnight but change doesn't come overnight do it for the gram do it for the gram straight up I I see it in, in Springfield all the time you know we um, uh, towards the beginning of when uh, a lot of countries were, were or a lot of uh, cities were, were protesting across the country, um, you know, Springfield had a couple marches and thousands of people showing up uh, to a couple of marches. And you just look over and, and this person's taking a picture and this person's taking a picture <laughs> and this person's taking a picture. And I'm not saying that there's nothing wrong with like documenting the moment, documenting and yeah. telling your story like that's important. But are you here for the picture? For, to to let people know that you were here. Are you here because you're you're here to like you know, march on the streets? Are you praying with your feet? Are you you know standing in solidarity? Are you you know as a white person am I taking the back seat and listening more than I'm speaking um, at these moments or or you know listening more than I'm sharing with other people who yeah. aren't even here who don't even care because they're not the ones locking arms with me walking down the street, you know, I feel No, I know what you mean. We had some people at every march that we were with that always ended up in the front and center when the, when the, <laughs> the newspapers taking that picture, like, just had to run to the front There's again, didn't that you? One guy, why does this guy have the microphone at every at event? Every event. <laughs> <laughs> Go sit down, man. I like when all the when all the white people grab the microphone. Yeah, that's that's like what I'm saying. Had, this, this is they one ain't had guy. enough. Like you ain't had enough time. Y'all yeah. been talking. But 
you know, that, and that kind of, you know, I, I want to touch on this with, with your unity point, you know, speaking of white people, uh, the people in charge, you know, we, we obviously live in a very divisive country and the people in charge set it up that way because they know that when we don't have unity with one another, when we don't have unity across races and, and genders and, uh, and wealth disparities, um, we're, we're weaker, you know. Well, apart from one another right. and they set it up intentionally you have people like Laura Ingram you know telling Kevin Durant and Le- LeBron James you know just shut up and dribble mm-hmm. you know that's all you're good for you are entertainment you get paid millions of dollars you can't experience racism anymore because you're not the kid from Akron you're the kid living in LA um, and, and they intentionally put those divisive units and it's why we've seen you know alongside the rise of the internet over the last 20 years more and more divisiveness in this country because the people in charge want to split us up from one another. They don't want us standing in solidarity and locking arms and marching in the streets and fighting for the just causes and for righteousness. Yeah. I mean, you know, you could find that biblically. You know what I'm saying? Like, a kingdom divided, it'll always fall. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. Like you said, I definitely noticed that that the media is always trying to do something to to keep division and keep it in your face. And people, you know, I'm making posts that are influential on the Internet Mm -hmm. that's going to be controversial simply because it's going to get shares and stuff like. But it's deeper than all of that. Like people are, are being confrontational for views not knowing that they're doing something bigger than yeah. just becoming a media sensation or whatever. Well, everybody that's that's an internet viral media sensation right now is doing it for the views. I mean, it's all it's all talking points. You know, it's it's all taking it's all taking people out of the equation. You know, uh, it it's like people don't want athletes to say anything. They don't want the NBA players to say anything. You know, if if LeBron James if LeBron James said. He supported, you know, this other party. Right. They would be blasting that on their news channel. Yeah. You know, uh, the other night, Herschel Walker spoke at the Republican National Convention. Mm-hmm. You know, I had people sending me that video uh, like it's supposed to prove something to me when I tell them I don't care about the politics. I'm not here for that. I care right. about people. Politics doesn't care about the people. The politics cares about politics. You know? <laughs> so it's like it's like they these are all talking points. They want to grab these issues and use them to polarize things mm-hmm. to create whatever narrative, whatever story, Push their whatever they want you to feel and think. Yeah. Yeah. And and I feel like these NBA players, most of them came from from the streets. A lot of them didn't come from, uh, you know, a silver spoon in their mouth situation. And it's like they're just talking about what they've seen, where they've been, and what they're seeing. It's like it's like they still have family that ain't you know ain't making millions a year. They still have friends that live in uh, you know different neighborhoods, and they're feeling this stuff. And I mean, it's not like it's not like NBA players don't go to games and get called racist you know names and and mistreated right. because of their skin color. Like that happens all the time. I mean, y'all ever heard of Boston? You know, <laughs> it happens all the time. Yeah. You know. People act like when you get to a certain level <clears throat> of success that you're no longer black. Yep. And it, it doesn't work like that. I mean, yep. look at what happened to Obama when he was president. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
If, if that doesn't stop people from thinking that way, then nothing will. Yeah, yeah. If the president can get called out and get made fun of and racial slurs, yeah. then obviously a rich actor that's black is going to get yeah. called out and made fun of and have racial slurs. You know what I'm saying? president is supposed to be the top person in the country. And yeah. he's not getting that respect. Yeah. What's, what's happening is the pushback of the narrative that's been a part of this country from the very beginning right and and the narrative of 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 white supremacy and what we're experiencing today through athletes through uh sports commentators like carrie champion and jamel hill who uh on numerous occasions had white folks tell them like stick to stick to sports right is now in the age of the internet uh we're seeing that uh, when people push back on black athletes or uh, other uh, people of color speaking out against this n- narrative, um, it's it's a it's from fear, right? Like so, the internet is is a blessing and a curse in right. that. Um, imagine what the civil rights movement would have been like had there been the internet, right? Or Twitter or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, imagine uh, what what those, um, what that would have been like. Right. And like, so to see these high, um, um, these, these athletes, um, these black athletes speaking up, um, it's, it's going against the narrative of, of predominantly white ownership, um, uh, whose, uh, base, whose fortune is being compromised. Right. Because, um, as soon as you start pushing back on the money, then, uh, that's where, this, the concern grows, right? And so what's unfortunate is that you have these black athletes who are speaking out and speaking up and using their power. Meanwhile, uh, where are the Mike Trouts, uh, the Tom Brady's, the, the predominant white athletes um, standing in solidarity right. um, and not kind of pursuing their own uh, fortunes, their own um, uh, uh, ideologies as well. I mean, we had that moment with Drew Brees Right where uh, he made he made his his mistake uh, speaking out, and then hopefully, right, like hopefully he learned that he listened and he they learned. They said he had a conversation with with, and, and and it's not performative, which is so much of what y'all are talking about. This performative yeah. allyship uh-huh. that we see, especially by white people like me, who will show up and um, but we're too afraid to have conversations with people we love because. Well. Um, that's the hard part. That's the hard part, right? That's the nitty gritty work that those of us who benefit from the narrative that has been told from the very beginning of this country, that's the part that where the rubber meets the road, uh, for us. Yeah. And, and as, as Dalton mentioned, like it's, it's time for us to listen and to learn, to educate ourselves and to, um, show up and not hold the mic. Like it's time for us to, to give the mic to somebody else, yeah, um, and let them speak the truth, their truth, to the power that uh, is so corrupt right now. But you know, we got such a strong sense of entitlement in this country, and like, even with the athletes, you know what I mean? Because we keep going back to that example. As consumers, we feel entitled to those athletes mm-hmm. entertaining us. Yeah. So when they, as human beings, say, I'm unhappy 
this is why, so this is what I'm going to do with my body as consumers. We're like, you can't do that. <laughs> what am I supposed to watch? Right. What, what are you doing? Yeah. Do you, you play on Monday, so play on Monday so I can watch. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we're all super entitled. Like, on the regular basis, people go through life and things that don't have to happen for them that were used to happening for us are now being shifted in everyday life. And people are uncomfortable. People are uh, afraid of what the future is going to look like. Um, and people are having to face certain truths that either they honestly thought were dealt with and is not, or something that they tried to suppress inside of them and say, like, I already dealt with that. Yes. That's, that's, it's nothing there. But now they're like, oh, man, I got to pick a side. Yeah. And a lot of people feel like they have to pick a side because, like, I work in these little small towns, you know what I'm saying? And people come in and they want to talk to the people I work with about protests and stuff. And they got these jaded views. Like one guy came into where I work, was talking to my coworker and I was like, yeah, these people were marching and doing all this chanting and stuff. And it was a bunch of, uh, trailer trash, white kids, and I'm like, you guys need to go home. I bet they all are on link. You can tell they don't have jobs. <laughs> like, that's, in their mind, that's the, who the protesters are. Poor people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Only poor people are supporting what's going on poor, in the black poor community. Poor, lazy people. Poor, lazy yeah, people. Probably on drugs. Probably on drugs. Yeah. They got the link. Uh -huh. the, the government is supporting them. You know what I'm saying? They're not trying to do anything with their life. They're not going to ever be anything. Yeah. In his mind, that's what this movement is. It's an embarrassment to the country. But if you say it like that, it does sound like an embarrassment. You know what I'm saying? But that's not what it is at all. No. Like He's like, only people that go to protests are people that don't have jobs. And I'm like, like dude, I work... 12-hour <laughs> shifts sometimes and I go out like uh, organized yeah. protests and I like what yeah. are you talking about? Where are you getting your information from? But they're getting it from what they see on TV and their own personal yeah. bias that they've been raised to have. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah straight up. And you, you're supposed to you know you're supposed to as you know as, as a person I think as a believer you're supposed to go in and look at things you think and rethink them through. Right. Take them to the Lord. And I, I, I've been telling people, David said, you know, if there's any wickedness in me, you know, find it. Yeah. Show it to me, you know. Uh, obviously, people aren't thinking that way. They're, they're not introspective enough. They don't want to search themselves because a lot of people, even like, even if I went out, if I went out to any bar here in town tonight and I started talking to people, like, what do you think about yourself? It doesn't long, ain't long to be like, well, I don't really think, I don't really think well about myself. Right. And I had a friend that called me because I commented on his Facebook status and, and he was a real friend, uh, even though he's probably on the opposite side of what I believe. But he called me and said, well, I want to talk about this. 
And then, you know, at the end of the conversation, he said, well, I'll be honest, when I look at myself in the mirror, I don't like the man I see. Mm-hmm. And I think, well, that's the, that's the way, like, you, people ain't thinking that enough. Look yourself in the eyes and say, is the thing I thought today, is the thing I posted today, is the thing I said today, is that really who I want to be? Mm-hmm. Is that really what I want people to think about me, about my life? Mm-hmm. If I die tomorrow and they read through my Facebook feed, what are they going to say about me? Right. Like, what's that going to say to my grandkids when they can come back and look at this stuff? What's that say to, you know, to, to my family? Because I feel like I feel like if people were thinking that way, they wouldn't post the stuff they post. They wouldn't say the stuff they'd say. And I also feel like if people were more willing to just have a conversation, to just ask questions and to, like, try to get to the bottom of something. Yeah. Because, you know, I said before we started, you know, I was, I was talking about the NBA jerseys and all those things. You know, I've got I've got a couple really good family members that say I don't watch the NBA anymore. They disrespect the flag. They don't care about the country. Uh, you know, and they're not the basketball league I used to watch, and they just want to push their political views. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, I look at the back of the jerseys, and they say "Love us." Well, that's you know, that's like love your neighbor. That's number one. Like love us. Like love these people. You know, the back of the jerseys say equality. You know, like equality like who has a problem with equality you know like if you have a problem with equality capitalists (laughs) okay i mean not i mean not a good businessman but uh everybody eats that's how it's supposed to be uh if you got a problem yeah they're not listening to this podcast like they should if you got a problem with equality you got to go back to the drawing board you know education reform if you have a problem with education reform and you haven't visited a school in the city city, you know like we we went and filmed at a a high school in chicago and i was like man they need some money here like you're you're sending these kids to school and they ain't got no resources and nobody wants to teach here they don't have proper textbooks how can you justify that it, and I feel like if, if you take these people, if you walk these people to these places and say, look at this situation, don't you see this is wrong? You know, and, and even though this isn't necessarily a, a Christian podcast, I keep thinking about when uh, I think it's the prophet Nathan is talking to David and David has, you know, uh, killed a man's, killed a, killed a woman's husband mm. and taken that woman. And it's been all this time. And then Nathan comes and tells him a story about these sheep. And he's like, I would surely kill that man. Yeah. And he's like, well, that man's you. I feel like you could have that conversation with so many people yeah. who claim Christianity, who claim a certain set of beliefs. And if you showed them these other pieces and you and you walk them through it, they would be really mad. And then you go, that person is you. Yeah. And they would be like, oh, it's, dang, man. It goes back to this, for me, individualism of this, the idea of individualism in this community, the idea of in, entitlement. Uh, which is exactly what you're speaking to, right? But also, yeah. like, uh, to tie it back also to the athlete, you look at LeBron James and the way that he's investing in education, right? Like, and, and you look at Chance the Rapper and Just what he's doing in Chicago, right? Yep. Yep. The uh, athletes speaking up. They're doing what people who have been elected have promised to do, and they're not f- coming through on these promises. So we're we're leaning on athletes and uh and others um to do the work Mm. that those who have been who have promised to serve and to work on our behalf simply aren't so the boycotts tonight they're doing what elected officials church folk people who have promised to serve others are failing to do Mm. and we are being confronted with 
our selfishness, our individualism, our uh, lack of uh, a true examination of the self and, and our connectivity, our interconnectedness. And we don't like it. Yeah. We don't like being confronted with the shadow self. <clears throat> Something my pastor always said is that you got to be honest with who you are and where you are in order to get to where you want to be. And I agree with what you said. Like, so many people don't take time to self-evaluate at all, you know? And it's something... I try to do it each night before I go to sleep. I try to, like, reflect on my day. But, like, so many people don't make time to be by themselves, without their phone, without music, like, and just take a moment to say, okay, where am I at? How am I doing? How am I feeling? But instead, we keep our phone in our hands. And don't get me wrong, it's tempting, you know what I mean? It's hard to put that phone down. You put it next to you and it vibrates and you're like, you get to tapping around with my phone at. Okay, okay. Who is that? What did they say? Then you end up scrolling through Facebook for an hour. You're like, ah, oh, shoot. I'm supposed to be doing something else. Yeah. But we have to make a, a conscious effort to put our phone down and to honestly dive into our heart and say, like, mm-hmm. where am I at right now? And, yeah. and who do I want to be? Because I... Our mom used to ask us that all the time growing up, and our grandma would just challenge us as as young men. Like, what kind of man do you want to be when you grow up? How do you want to be remembered? Because your name is all you really have in this world. Because once you die, nothing else matters except for the memory that people have of you. You don't get to take anything with you. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can't defend yourself. So how they saw you, how they envisioned you, what they saw you do while you were alive, that's yeah. your legacy. Nothing else matters after you die. Yeah, yeah, straight up. I, I think that's, you know, one of the biggest things is, is that focus on growth. You know, when you stop growing, that's when you start dying. Right. And, and when you uh, stop reflecting, you don't know where you need to go next. And, and uh, you know, so many people in, in this world and in our life um, are complacent and it's when you get in that discomfort um, it's when you you know put a fire up under you it's when you get uncomfortable in the muck of things that that's when you figure out how to grow that's when you go through adversity that's when you um, you know fight to to become the person that you want to be like you were saying and I think that's the moment that we are in in our country I think we're going through kind of a second civil rights movement and, and in my opinion kind of kicked off with Trayvon Martin getting getting murdered right. a few years ago and, and seeing how this country has been forced into an un- uncomfortable place and how we're having to deal with that and, and reconcile ourselves. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in the Bible. They say um, you can always judge a, a tree by the fruit that it bears. And, yes. you know, that fits on us on a holistic, on a national level. You know, what are the fruits that this country's bearing? Um, yeah, you know, Billy Holiday says that there's different fruits, you know, hanging from the trees than, than we would like to 
to say. Uh, but you know, in my own regards, you know, what what are the fruits that other people are seeing that I'm bearing, and where are the places that I need to prune? Where are the branches that I need to um, prune and, and cultivate my soil so that I can grow and I can be a better person and uh, change myself to be, you know, who I want to be. You know, reflect on myself. And we all start at different points. We all, you know, move at different speeds along that growth. Uh, we all have different stumbling blocks, but that's what we need to strive after is bearing good fruit and, and pruning those branches that need to go. Yeah. I noticed that, like, I've been trying to read through the Bible, and I, Jesus, every time that he healed somebody, it was uh, an emotional connection to that healing. Uh, it says, like, Jesus was moved with compassion, and then this happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, God heard the, the cries of the people and then he moved. So I think our emotions, it's something that we need to do a better job of recognizing mm -hmm. and do a better job of um, using those for the reason that God gave them yeah. to us. You know what I mean? Like, so, okay. <laughs> so we're in a... Um, overly sexualized culture right and the issue with that is is that to be in that culture you have to shed off a certain amount of emotional connection to people and to things mm -hmm. and what we think is I just shed my emotions off when I'm dealing with this person so I don't get attached through the sex and things like that. Mm. And then I'll just turn it back on later. <laughs> but we're not equipped to be able to flip the switch of emotional mm. connection on and off like that. So when we turn our emotions off to be involved in all these different types of relationships and, and one night things, it stops us and limits us from the level of which we can connect with our family the level on which we connect with um, children, you know what I'm saying? The level on which we connect with um, Jesus and our spiritual walk. Mm. And in the level on which we can love, which includes loving ourselves. And we live in a desensitized culture, you know what I mean? Yeah. So um, we have to go back and figure out how can we start turning emotions back on, yeah. but use them in the right way? Because I'm the only black male in the room, but I know as males in general, we're taught not to show every emotion that we have. <clears throat> and the issue with that is we're taught that it's only okay for men basically to show anger. That's like our emotion, you know? You're allowed to get mad. In yeah. any situation, you can be angry and it's it's okay to be angry. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but anger is not supposed to be used the way that we use it. Anger is an emotion that is designed for us to be fed up with a situation and problem solve on how to change it so that we no longer have to be angry you know what i mean but we use anger as like i gotta go break something i gotta like 
cut somebody out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we're we're misusing those emotions because we are never really taught what it's for. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's why, like, we're really trying to get things rolling with next gen. Is just like we need to educate because even our generation of the twenty somethings and the thirty somethings we're starting to get to that age where it's like some of us are never going to change because unfortunately when you get to a certain age it takes a lot more to relearn what you've been taught for 20 some years 30 some years but if we can start working on that next generation the teens you know what i mean the the little kids like grade school junior high age high school they got a shot at like completely changing the world in a way that we never really had the opportunity to do simply if we just teach them love languages. You know what I'm saying? Teach them relationships. Teach them uh, the importance of taking care of your body. You know what I mean? Like physical health. You feel better when you work out. When you drink water, you feel better. When you exercise, you know what I mean? But we're not really taught certain things until you get a certain age and then you have that internal battle of like, am I gonna do it? Like you said, am I gonna do what's comfortable or am I gonna do what I know is right? Yeah. And and that's something I say in one of my songs is like, my parents always told me like to pay attention, but they didn't know that I was watching what they were doing. So do I do what you say to do or do I do what you actually do? Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's that internal battle of, all right, which road do I go down? Because now I'm being pulled in two different directions. I have what I've been taught and I have what I've learned through observation in my env environment over the years. Yeah. I have to uh, go take care of a bad problem in a minute. <laughs> but I wanna, I wanna ask one more question. And and then I wanna I wanna also talk just about your know, music and, and some of your time with sports and uh, maybe some of your plans with that. Um, but my, my one question I really want us to cover on this pod is as you've been you know you've been organizing protests you've been involved in a lot of protests in Bloomington Normal uh, you know what do you you know what do you feel like you know there's a lot of these stories about what protesters are really up to and all mm -hmm. these things about what this movement's really about. And I know that you've had a lot of work bridging the gap. Uh, you, you had a, a conversation with a police officer talking about race, uh, racial tensions. And uh, there's a lot of us versus them sort of things in those scenarios when people talk about it that aren't really involved. Yeah. Um, I just kind of want you to share some of your experiences, what you've really seen, and where you feel like you've seen change. Because I've also heard this narrative among friends and family that have told me, well, protests are just making people more racist. And mm -hmm. I feel like that's just, that's like the, the craziest argument to me. I'm like, wait, what do you mean? But at the same time, I think the protests are maybe exposing that maybe people have racism or, or things in their heart that they need to figure out. Um, but at the same time, I feel like, you know, we're talking about fruit. You, you know, I believe that you've seen success in, in protesting and going out and doing this in the community. So I kind of want you to just share some of that success and say, hey, look, 
this is what's really happening. And, you know, I also am sure, you know, people protesting in other cities. It's not like mm-hmm. you only know about Bloomington. This isn't the, the 20s. We're not riding around in like horses <laughs> and Model T's here, you know. Yeah. So. No, definitely. Um, so, one of my favorite stories so far <clears throat> of what's been going on in the hometown is we mobilized a group of people on the east side of Bloomington uh, in that Tipton Park area by Hawthorne Hills Mm -hmm. and uh, North Point, you know, in that area. And it's a financial, uh, financially strong area. Yes. For those that don't know. Those are are where some of the mansions are in Bloomington. You know, the, the doctors, the lawyers... The uh, like, I believe the owners of McDonald's are in Hawthorne Hills too, or something like that. Yeah. You know, just some like wealthy people, influential. Um, and the reason that we targeted that area for our first event as Next Gen was because we feel like, for one, people never protest in the rich side of town, and I don't get that. Why do you only protest in front of the people that feel you? You know, like Mm -hmm. they know what you're going through on the east side. They don't know what we're going through. They don't get it. So we figured if we can get them to see us and to hear us, then maybe it'll spark their interest and they'll be open up to conversation. So, uh, it was probably like 30 or 40 people, uh, and we kind of kept it small on purpose. Um, For that particular event, we kind of did like a little screening process because if we would have went over there and somebody would have lost their temper, it would have destroyed everything else that we tried to do in the community. So, anybody that couldn't control their anger or uh, had a little more quote-unquote extremist angle, we didn't let them come. And we went through a couple neighborhoods and we had music playing and we're dancing in the street and we're doing our chants and uh, people are actually responding, you know, well. Like, people are coming out the house. A couple family members joined in the march. Um, People made signs real quick. And we finished back at Tipton Park and a father was in the the park at baseball practice with his two little boys. Um, neither was older than like that grade school kind of age. And we gathered in a circle as we do at the end of all of our marches and events and we gave speeches. Well, we did positive uh, affirmations as a group call and response style. And then uh, my brother prayed us out, Thurston, and then we, you know, had the dance party again to some Michael Jackson. And then we went home. Um, A man joined us and he later found me on Facebook and let me know, we didn't feel intimidated by your presence, um, even though the people that we live around told us that we should be afraid of what was gonna happen that day. Um, We felt very invited. 
me and my boys came over and we grabbed hands with you all and we prayed at the end of your event and the whole ride home, I mean the whole walk home, I got to explain to them what's going on in the world and why you should treat people equally. So he thanked us for that experience. That's cool. Another couple, they sent their kids to their parents' house when they heard we were coming to the neighborhood. They're terrified. And then they looked out their window and they saw us marching by, smiling, singing Kurt Franklin songs and dancing. Mm-hmm. And they were like, we just missed out on a once in a lifetime opportunity for our kids to see this movement in a completely yeah. different light. So they hit us up, invited us to their house to have dinner with them and just hear our mm-hmm. point of view and and what we have going on and why we're doing what we're doing and what they can do to better understand. You know what I mean? It's powerful. So us just not being afraid to go into an area that people would be intimidated to protest in um, opened so many different doors. you know, we, we called the police. We told them, hey, this is what we're going to be doing. We're going to be in this area. If it's an issue, this is my cell phone number. You know what I mean? And um, we just have kind of a different approach towards the police. Uh, we've had bad experiences with them. And I say we as like my family, my brothers and my sister. We've been profiled, pulled out the car. On the way to go to a mission trip in Chicago with the pastor driving and separated. The car's been searched. We've been pat down, questioned for hours, was late to the mission trip. You know what I mean? Like, cops have been aggressive with us, but not but because that cancels that out. With that being said, I've also had officers that did their job well, and I've seen uh, officers defuse situations where uh, quote unquote civilians are kind of being hostile and and they're uncomfortable. You know what I mean. So we try to get people to see the light in both sides. Um, I put a post up on Facebook. I was dropping my daughter at my mom's house at like four thirty in the morning. And cops swoop behind me, like four cop cars, lights on, spotlight hit. Get out of the car, back up slowly. I'm like, what in the world is this? My daughter is in the back sleep. So I got my license registration out. And then they're like, get out of the car, put your hands up, keep them where we can see them. I'm like, okay. What's the problem? Just get out of the car. We've had a, a call of, of shots fired. Okay, so that's why they're being so hostile. So I get out of the car with my hands up. They said, don't face us, walk backwards. So I walk backwards. I say, I have my daughter in the car. I don't have anything on me. So they say, can we pat you down? I tell them, yes, go ahead. Um, they asked where I was going. I tell them I'm going to my mom's to drop my daughter off so I can go to the gym. They asked if I saw anything. I told them no. They didn't search my car. Um, They weren't aggressive. They didn't cuff me. 
They didn't shine the flashlight all in my daughter's eyes in the backseat looking for stuff. And they were like, hey, the reason we did it like this is because uh, somebody was shot and we're trying to catch the person because it was recent. And I was like, okay, I think you all need to talk to people like this every time that you stop them in this kind of manner. Because if you don't explain yourself, then immediately I feel like, okay, what are they up to? You know what I mean? Is this because I'm black and I'm driving, you know what I mean? This type of car, is this like, what's up? But the fact that they explained to me like, we had a shots fired. We need you to get out of the car. Immediately, I calmed down. I'm like, all right, this has, I'm not guilty of anything. Let me just take a breath. They're hostile because somebody had a gun. So let me compose myself. You know what I mean? So I just told them, like, any situation, as much as you can communicate and keep things flowing, that will help people breathe easier. If you all don't just, like, Guns blazing, just get out of the car, do it now. You know what I mean? That's not, people are going to freak out every time. So we just try to get people to, to look at the cops in a different light. We try to get cops to look at citizens in a different light. Um, but it's, it's definitely going to be an ongoing battle. And uh, it's something that we're trying to face every day. I've had people um, jumping in my inbox, not happy with the way in which I'm leading. Um, they feel like I should be doing more. Uh, you know, people want me to respond as next gen. I'm saying me, but I'm speaking for all of us. They want us to respond as the first line of defense in every situation. Hey, did you see this on the news? Hey, we need to march for this. Hey, you know, you guys should uh, go protest in front of this building because they, they did something racist or I heard the cops are meeting to have a, a press conference. You guys need to be there. And what's the point of, of being at everything if you don't have an angle? You know what I mean? Um, I'm trying to show people like it's not always a, a, a good thing to be seen all the time. Sometimes you need to only be seen when it's gonna be impactful. So you need to back up and come up with a strategy and then make sure every time that you strike that people feel that strike in the community instead of just always being out there. Cause that's how the message gets diluted when, when they just see, okay, they've been marching for three months now. What's changed? What are they asking for? We don't even know what they want. We just know that they keep marching. You know what I'm saying? Like, so we're, we're just trying to strike a little differently when it comes to that. That's great content right there. I mean, that's like, that's what like, people need to hear. You yeah. know, that's like, yeah. you know, when we, uh, when we were, we took a lot of time off with the pod with coronavirus. Uh, we took a lot of time to, to figure out you know, whether we were even able to meet in person, uh, the phone pods are really hard, and yeah. there was no basketball, you know, and that that was quite the damper on uh, on one of our main conversation points. Uh, when when me and Dalton talked about bringing this pod back, you were, you know, I told him, I want to I want to come back with V eight, I want to come back with 
someone that's going to bring light to this situation and use this pod to say something, you know, and, um, you know, we get, we didn't end up, we did a couple episodes before this, but I feel like the timing of you coming tonight with everything going on, the NBA, everything going on in, in Wisconsin and people, you know, right back at the forefront of their minds, you know, this stuff's coming back. I feel the timing is just right. And I appreciate, I appreciate the yeah. work you're doing. Thank you. And, you know, honestly, I just wish that we would be up in Bloomington and helping you more. <laughs> and I, honestly, I feel like I felt that way every time, every time we've sit down and talked, you know, I thought, man, I wish I was in Bloomington more often. I wish, I wish these were the people I was working with, you know. Man, I appreciate up, you no. guys bringing me on, you know. No, I felt like you taught us today. Thank you. Straight up. Absolutely. I just, before we, you know, close everything out, um, I think it's important that everybody understands that everyone has their own platform. And oftentimes we downplay our, our strengths in life. But I think that if we understood the value that we have as individuals in, in life, that the world would start to change on its own. Because uh, some people feel like, well, I'm just a mom. What can I do? But being a mother is your platform. Mm. If you raise your kids in a certain way, then they can go into the world and do something incredible. Not only that, but other moms can see you and, and look up to you and be inspired by the things that you've overcome. You know what I mean? People feel like, well, I'm not rich, so what can I do? You need money to do anything in, in life. Which is true, but it's not true. You know what I mean? Like, uh, creativity comes a lot of times without money. Because when you don't have money, you have to find new resources to get done what you want to get done. So I, I just want that to be stuck in people's mind. Like, you have a platform, regardless of your status financially, regardless of your relationship status, regardless of your job, you know what I mean? And even your occupation doesn't make who you are, but every everybody's platform is important and is valuable. And in order to see that change, we gotta understand our value as people. This episode of Am I Baller is brought to you by Miko Club. We played new music from our spiritual director and producer, Elijah Settles, at the beginning of the episode, and it's off his new album, Places Are People Too, available everywhere you stream music. It is under the name Tabo, which is spelled T-H-A-B-O. It also has a song featuring V8 Vast Change. It'll be featured in the next episode as we talk to V8 and Elijah about some of this new music, some of the music Elijah's been working on, and some of the projects that V8 has coming out. And, uh, you know, if you enjoyed this episode, we hope that you come back and check out what these guys are working on creatively. We're going to leave you with the song called Bigger Issues by V8 Vast Change. This is unreleased. It's going to be on this project coming out next month. Uh, But it really ties into our conversation that we've had here today. And uh, we hope you love it. We hope that it's something that sticks with you and that we've given you something to think about, something to ponder. Thanks for listening. Fast change. Uh. 
Dale's worried about the cash flow. Dale's worried about the jewelry. Dale's worried about the imagery. Now they worry about the looting. Now we got some bigger issues. 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 Dale's worried about the Wi-Fi. Dale's worried about the black crime. Dale's worried about the businesses. Dale's worried about the bottom line. Now we got some bigger issues. 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 2020, what side was you on? 2020, did you hide in your home? Look, 2020, did you get coronavirus? Hey, 2020, was you open up to bias? This is the question the people finna ask when you get older. I know some people that's really finna snap when they get bolder. I bet the president we was supposed to have, he got aborted. Or maybe it was one of these black girls that went missing and no one supported. Uh, they not ready for that talk though. Fathers missing like Waldo. Black communities fall short. Now they trying to give us all sorts of lies. Public housing still trying to destabilize. This country was made of lies. Native Americans gave you a better life. How you just take a life? Late at night, I just be thinking like, if we band together, we can really do something. I'm fighting till I hear the trumpets. I've been blessed up. Don't get messed up. I'm my best up. Yeah. Dale's worried about the cash flow. Dale's worried about the jewelry. Dale's worried about the imagery. Now they worry about the looting. Now we got some bigger issues. 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 Dale's worried about the Wi-Fi. Dale's worried about the black crime. Dale's worried about the businesses. Dale's worried about the bottom line. Now we got some bigger issues. 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 Trying to get my wife peace of mind. She be praying for me all the time. I be fighting for the people. Pink game getting lethal. I be going toe to toe with giants, slaying all of them like they Goliath. I be trying to get my family straight so if they need it, I can go and buy it. I know my God will supply it all. In the future, I'm hoping to buy them all. And then turn it into something vital, dog, that will really help to elevate us all. Treating change like an aerosol. I'm just spraying it. It's my city, even if I move, I'ma get a litty oh, They don't wanna see me on the front lines, but I'm there every time it's war I don't even care how we gotta score Bring the whole west side to the east side, then the east side to the north Oh, they messed up when they gave us a platform to save us Yeah Dale's worried about the cash flow. Dale's worried about the jewelry. Dale's worried about the imagery. Now they worry about the looting. Now we got some bigger issues. 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 Dale's worried about the Wi-Fi. Dale's worried about the black crime. Dale's worried about the businesses. Dale's worried about the bottom line. Now we got some bigger issues. Now we got some bigger issues. Now we got some bigger issues. Now we got some bigger issues.